Romans 13, 1 through 7. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed, and those who resist will incur judgment. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who is in authority? Then do what is good, and you will receive his approval. For he is God's servant for your good. But if you do wrong, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is the servant of God, an avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Therefore, one must be in subjection, not only to avoid God's wrath, but also for the sake of conscience. For because of this, you also pay taxes. For the authorities are ministers of God, attending to this very thing. Pray to all, pray to all, uh, pay to all what is owed to them, taxes to whom taxes are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Thank you, Blake. Well, good morning, brothers and sisters. Really, really sweet to be with you this morning. Great time of worship together. So encouraging to me personally to be with you this morning. Why don't you go ahead and find your Bibles, open up your Bibles to Romans 13 if you haven't already, and we're going to continue through this series in the book of Romans. And just a quick reminder, if you don't have a Bible and you need a Bible, there's one in the seat pocket in front of you. That's our gift to you. You can take that home with you. And then also, if you are looking for a place to connect kind of in the life of this church, just want to remind you, every Wednesday night, we have a blast. It's something called Behind the Message. It's at 630, and we do just that. We kind of take, about, uh, take what we discuss here on Sunday morning. We go a little bit deeper and wrestle with some uh, truths and, and tough questions. And it's a really good time on Wednesday night at 630. Uh, I encourage you to be a part of that if you're looking for a place to connect uh, behind the message. Now, this morning, we're going to continue on in Romans 13. If you have been with us in this journey, you know that we now are in the part of Romans that I like to call the painfully practical part of Romans. We've walked through chapters 1 through 11 where uh, it's described as the mercies of God. Paul, for 11 chapters, has laid out all the truth of who God is and what God has accomplished by His grace to redeem us. He's declared who we are in Christ and all the blessings that are ours. And then, as Daniel led us through a couple weeks ago, we jump into Romans 12 and Kind of the question is, okay, in light of all of God's mercies, how do we now live? How does that press out in our daily lives as believers? And we get from the lofty heights of the truths of who God is and all that He's done in eternity past, eternity future, and then we get down into the messiness of daily life. And He introduces, we saw in Romans 12, He says, okay, now to understand this, in light of the mercies of God... Offer yourself up as living sacrifices. Remember that? A couple of weeks ago, we walked through that. The idea is we, we present our lives unto God as redeemed children of God. And the idea of a living sacrifice literally means it's all of you. It's not part of you. And one of the things we see in the book of Romans that we're going to especially see in chapter 12 through the end of this book is this idea, and we've said this over and over. If you've been transformed by the person of Jesus Christ, there's no single area of your life left untouched. One person agrees with that. Great, thanks. I appreciate that. The rest of you. And there's no myth of this, okay, man, I'm all in with Jesus in this area of my life, but, you know, kind of hands off my 
wallet, Lord. Or hands off this relationship, Lord. In other words, Paul says, in light of who God is and all that God has done, we present ourselves as living sacrifices. All of who we are offered back up to Him. Every single area of our life. And Paul walks through in chapter 12, and he talks about how we relate to one another in the body of Christ. And Daniel walked us through that. And watch this, how we relate to people who don't like us. How we relate to people who have offended us. Anybody been offended this week? Yep. Anybody been the offender this week? Yep. Romans 12 deals with that. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to deal with in the body of Christ, how do we relate to people who may not always see things the same way we see, or the weaker brother, or whom we disagree with. We're going to look at that in a few weeks. And this week, he gets painfully practical in a totally uh, non-confrontational way that it, it, it creates no confusion in the minds of anyone. How do we relate to the government? How do we relate to those in authority in our lives the bible deals with that so in romans 13 you can go ahead and find your place there paul's going to speak to a group of believers here in rome what was at that time you remember the de facto capital of the world roman government living under living under the caesar at that time and remember i think one of the reasons paul is going to deal with this here is the idea that in this day the time when Romans is being written, the time of the New Testament, there was this assumption by non-believers and those in authority, and you remember, very few, if almost no Christians in authority, so those in government authority perceived and thought that most Christians are going to be a threat to society. And the perception was that these Jesus followers are going to be subversive to the governing authority that because, and here was the assumption, they pledged their allegiance, these followers, to another king, King Jesus. And if they're walking in obedience to this king, they'll never honor the human authority of their day. By the way, this is what is perceived in places like China today, places like India today, and even more so in our country today. If you are a believer, you are a threat to society, and you are a threat to the governing authorities. Paul says, hold on just a minute. Paul says, here's the idea that as believers, we have submitted our entire lives to King Jesus. And as a result, we will also live in the submission to human authority instituted by him. Y'all hear that? Paul says, listen. The idea is that wherever Christians are found, that society is going to benefit and should benefit by the Christians who are found there. Because they first live in subjection to King Jesus, and that affects the way we submit to all authority and the way we live our lives. Society benefits when Christians are there, but ruling authorities of this day and even our day often don't see it that way. So Paul says, let me help you. How does the gospel of Jesus, transformed by Jesus, affect how we respond to authority. Now, Paul's going to deal primarily here with government authority, but the implications of this are in all areas of our life where we're living under authority of some sort, human institutions by God. 
Everyone in this room is living today under some type of human authority. All of us. Government, church leaders, parents, bosses, civic officials, whatever it is. All of us are operating today in realms of human authority. And the Bible gets into the messiness of that and says, there's no area of your life untouched by Jesus. No area. How does the Bible inform the way we respond to the authorities in our life? Paul deals with that. Here we go. Romans 13. Follow along. I've got a big truth for you and then some big ideas that are going to flow out of that this morning. Verse 1. Let every person be subject to the governing authorities. Why, Paul? For there is no authority except from God. And those that exist have been instituted by God. These identifiable structures of authority within society were placed there by God. We'll talk about that. Therefore, whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist will incur judgment. There are consequences to removing ourselves from God-ordained authority in our life. Judgment. Consequences. So I'm going to give you a big truth. Here we go. We're going to ping off this and I'll give you some big ideas. It's this. Big truth based on Romans 13. Jesus' followers live in submission to human authorities. Because we live in submission to King Jesus, because we offer ourselves daily as living sacrifices unto him that also spills out into how we respond to authorities that God has placed in our lives particularly here he's going to deal with government authorities Jesus followers live in submission to human authority now Paul are you just out on a limb on this thing or is this kind of taught throughout Scripture? Well, let me give you some cross-references just for a second. We won't spend long on these. You don't have to look these up. They'll be on the screen. The Apostle Peter in 1 Peter chapter 2. And remember, I think it's incredibly important for us to be reminded. When Peter writes, when Paul writes, when Jesus is going to speak to this in just a minute, they were living under godly, wholesome, Jesus-honoring government officials, Right? Listen to what Peter said. Be subject for the Lord's sake to every human institution, whether it be to the emperor, the Caesars of the day. Now this is a little bit mind-boggling for us because the emperors of the day that Peter is writing to, Paul is writing to in Rome, are the same emperors who would take Christians and fasten them to a stake and light them on fire and use them to light their parties. You say, well listen, I got problems with our government officials. I don't always agree with what they say and what they do. I don't always agree with what they say and what they do either. But Peter is saying, listen, it's, God is behind ultimately authority structures of society. Peter says, as to those in authority, as supreme, verse 14, or governors as sent by him to punish those who do evil and to praise those who do good. Peter says, listen, this range of authority goes all the way from the emperor, in our case, let's just say the president, all the way down to their governors. For us, this goes all the way down to the school resource officer at your kid's school. 
those who are extensions of the governing authorities where we live. We've been given a degree of authority. Jesus follows them in submission to that authority. Proverbs 24, 21 says this, My son, Solomon writing, the wisest man who ever lived, he says, Fear the Lord and the King. In other words, there's wisdom to be found in submitting to those in authority as unto the Lord. And do not join with those who do otherwise. Jesus weighed in on this. Mark chapter 12, you may know the story. They're coming to him and Rome is in power. and It's this oppressive power of Rome that was ruling over the land of Israel and Judea at that time. And they said, listen, Jesus, I, there's no way we should pay taxes to this tyrannical government of Rome. Man, they, are, they don't give us representation. Their tax rate is unfair. What say you, Jesus? We shouldn't have to pay taxes, should we? Jesus says, Mark 12, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Pay your taxes. Pay your taxes. Render unto Caesar the human authority, the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. And they marveled at him, Mark 12 says. What are you talking about, Jesus? Crazy stuff. Go back to 13, Romans 13. So Paul continues, he says this, and let's dive a little bit deeper into this. He says, let every person be subject to the governing authorities. If you write in your Bible, circle that word, be subject. The subject here is the idea, it's, we get the word submit from it or submission from it. it. It's the idea of a soldier to his commander or it's the idea literally of under rower in a ship who's rowing and has their taskmaster over them in a sense and they're submitting to his command. It's this willing submission to those in authority. Now you ready for this? You're going to love this. Be, be subject is a present imperative verb. You ready? I, that'll preach, right? Verb tenses matter. So when you're reading your Bible, stop and meditate on, okay, is this a suggestion? Is this a command? Is this past, present, future? That matters. Here's what it says. Be subject. It's an imperative present, which means it's a command, and it's in the present tense, which means it's an ongoing posture ongoing posture that we because we have we, we live living sacrifices submitted unto God our ongoing posture to those in authority over us is one of submission submission governing authorities he says here the principle in general is those who are in authority the specific reference Paul is dealing with here is those government authorities over us and he doesn't say if they're competent if you prefer them if they're part of your political party Pastor Mike you're really getting into my business here could you just back off a little bit no area of our life remains untouched by the gospel of Jesus he goes on, he says, let every person be in subjection for the, okay, Paul, why, why are you making such a sweeping statement here? Back to verse 1, for there's no authority except from God. Big idea number one, I'm going to give you three of them. Big truth was this, Jesus' followers live in submission to human authority. That's the big idea. Paul says this over and over in this chapter. Big idea number one, all authority is ultimately from God. Paul says the basis that I'm making this 
command, the basis that I'm saying this is all authority, no matter how it has a representation in your life, ultimately goes back to God because all authority lies with Him. The word authority means the power to act. The root word of it is author, like a book. The source of a book is that author. It begins with Him. The source of all authority is God. When you're the creator of all that is, that means you have all authority. Therefore, Paul is saying God has every right to establish institutions of authority and place in those positions of authority whomever he chooses. Ultimate authority lies with God. Daniel chapter 4 verse 25, Daniel is operating under an ungodly regime of that day, the Babylonians. Nebuchadnezzar is ruling at this time and Daniel says, Verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 25, the Most High God is ruler over the realm of mankind and he bestows it on whomever he wishes. God has all authority. God has the right to establish institutions of authority. God has the right to place in those institutions people and entrust them with a degree of authority. Let me read you another verse. This is not on the screen. John 19, 11 Jesus is speaking to Pilate, the Roman governor, who is going to give the order, humanly speaking, for his own crucifixion. And Jesus says to Pilate, Jesus answered, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. Listen, I don't always understand how God operates in the realm of authority. I certainly don't understand all the people that he always puts in places of authority over my life. But God, ultimate authority lies with God. Jesus is speaking to the man who's going to give the order to crucify him and says, Listen, you've been given a degree of authority from God. I don't understand how God always does that. But there is wisdom in how God structures this. In creation, we know God has designed particular institutions and entrusted these institutions with authority. All of us in this room are operating in some degree and realm of authority right now. could be the government, where there are leaders with authority. It could be the family, where He's entrusted parents with a degree of authority. It could be this church, where God has instituted elders with a degree of authority to lead God's people. It could be in your workplace where there are bosses in your workplace with a degree of authority placed there by God, well, you don't know my boss, and you don't know how unfair he is. Doesn't qualify it here. Now, I know there's questions in your head, but what if, and how do you, and what do you, we're going to talk about that in a minute, but chase the big principle God has given us here. Goes on verse 2, he says, Whoever resists the authorities resists what God has appointed. And those who resist, verse 2, will incur judgment. Here's your second big idea. Rejection of authority is rejection of God. Paul says, listen, if you, if you choose to just live in open rejection to the authorities in your life, and that's your posture toward these authorities, and you name the name of Christ. Listen, that, that is inconsistent because rejection of authority in your life, human authority in these realms we've just talked about, ultimately rejection of God. The word resist here in verse 2 has the idea of to array against. It's literally the word picture of to line up in battle formation as if to go to battle. It's the idea of rejection, of resisting those authorities over us placed there by God. And Paul's contention is this. What? What? 
You want to see a true living sacrifice like we talked about in Romans 12? You want to see somebody truly transformed by the gospel of Christ? How do they submit to the human authorities in their life? You want to see a true young person who's walking with God? How do they submit to the parents God has placed in their life? You want to see a true child of God with the Spirit of God living inside them? How do you honor that boss when they're in the room and when they're not? You get real nitpicky? How do you honor the traffic laws and the speed limit established by God? Some of you, the sticker, the Jesus sticker blew off your windshield because you were going too fast. (laughs) I've heard, I've heard that police officers have the authority to pull you over and write you a ticket when you're speeding. I've heard that happens from other sources, not personally. Paul David Tripp writes this, and I thought this was so profound for us. Here's why we struggle with the idea of submitting to authority. Because our flesh hates it. We want to determine everything about our lives, ultimately. In our fallen condition, my flesh wants to be fully capable of determining everything in my life. We have bought into the lie. Now watch. And this is the world you're living in right now. This is the sea we're swimming in right now. We have bought into the lie that freedom means self-determination and there's no authority in my life. That's a lie. Paul David Tripp says it this way. This is not on the screen. Just listen to me. He says, True freedom is never found in setting up your own authority. No. Freedom is found in the willing submission of our hearts to God's authority as well as the levels of human authority God has placed on earth. Watch this. To make His invisible authority visible. I love this statement. Self-rule never leads anywhere good. Everybody okay? Rogers Rogers likes it. Anybody else? (laughs) Self-rule never leads anywhere good. If you're a parent, you're in the room, and your mind is filled with illustrations about your kids who really do think they know best. They really do think they know what food is better for them. They really do think they know how to tie their shoes. They really do think they know how to run their lives better. But let me tell you something. Self-rule never leads anywhere good. It's true for a four-year-old and a 40-year-old. Or an 80-year-old. The idea that we can lead ourselves without submitting to authority that God has placed in our lives is foolish and rebellious to the core. Self-rule never leads anywhere good. Therefore, those who resist, Paul says, Romans 13, 2, those who resist these authorities that God has placed in our lives will incur judgment. 
There are consequences naturally occurring in our lives when we remove ourselves from God's authority, whether that's the laws of the land, whether that's the instruction of our parents, whether that's our church elders' leadership, whatever that is. God has established that he leads and directs our lives for our goods through human authority. The big truth, we've seen it. Jesus' followers live in submission. Big idea number one, all authorities from God. Big idea number two, rejection of authorities, rejection of God. Big idea number three, it's our last one. Those in authority have a purpose assigned by God. Those in authority have a purpose that has been assigned to them by God. Keep reading, verse three. For rulers, and again, he's primarily talking about government here in a sense, but this extends to those who are in authority over us at different levels, different roles. For rulers are not a terror to good conduct, but to bad. Would you have no fear of the one who's in authority? Then do what is good. And you will receive his approval. For he or she or whoever it may be in a position of authority is God's servant for your good. Y'all hear that? This is one of those verses where it comes down to it. Do, do we believe God's word is true in every area of my life? Or do I think I can skirt the authorities in my life and I can push on that authority and I can live right on the fringe because I think I know ultimately what's good. God, God says through Paul, these authorities in your life, even though they may be ungodly, even though they may be corrupt, we'll talk about that in a minute, I've placed them there for your good. And I can lead your life through the authorities I've placed in your life. But if you do wrong, verse 4, be afraid. Listen, do you have fear of authority in your life? Is there this sense of foreboding in your life? Paul says, listen, if you're disobeying and you're living out from under that authority, you ought to fear. There ought to be fear. Be afraid. For he, speaking specifically of the government, does not bear the sword in vain. Come back and talk about that in just a second. For he, speaking of the government official, is the servant of God, an avenger. i got to stop right here. That's now my kid's favorite verse in the Bible now because they think the avengers are in the Bible. An avenger who carries out God's wrath on the wrongdoer. Remember back in Romans 12 where God says, hey, wrath does not belong to you. You don't carry out vengeance. You say, well, what's going to happen? God has established authorities that will carry out vengeance. It's not yours. You trust him and the methods he has established to carry that out. God's wrath on the evildoer. So, a couple takeaways from this. God-ordained authority exists to promote what is good and restrain evil. God-ordained authorities exist. Again, government, family, church leadership, bosses, whatever, teachers, these different realms of authority to honor what is good, promote what is good, restrain evil. When I was in high school, I have no idea why this illustration came to my mind, but when I was in high school, uh, I don't know, five years ago or so, but anyway, that's a joke, it's been a while, several decades, we used to have something called random locker checks. Random locker checks meant that the authorities were going to come into the school and just randomly were going to search certain lockers and word always got out when it was coming and everybody always knew. And some people were like, okay, locker check, I don't really give a rip. Some people were sweating it. Why? They had a reason to fear. 
They had a reason to fear. Listen, I know, I know some of you, I know some of you how you drive on the interstate. Man, you got your Christian music listen, going, and you're listening to whoever you love. To, you're singing praises. And you, got, you got your head on a swivel, watching out for the police coming around the corner. You got a reason to fear. You do. These authorities are established. I'll just give you another quick illustration. We talked about this last night as a family, but when our they're not in this service, so I can be a little more detailed about the <laughs> illustration. But anyway, when our little girls came and joined our home five years ago out of the foster system, let me just say, because of their upbringing and the place they lived, they viewed the police with a totally different perspective. I mean, we were, we were shocked. We were, we're driving down the road early on. I can't tell you how many times their reaction was, huh, watch out, there's the cops. And in their minds, they were always the bad guy. Because that's the environment they had been brought up. To see authority as something to resist and to run from. If you're living in disobedience, you got a reason to fear. you got a reason to fear. And I'll just chase something here, and I, I'm probably going to get an email about this one. And we always say, send it to whoever. I just send it, Daniel would love to get it. And Wes Tucker. Wes Tucker would love to get emails from you. <laughs> if you don't agree with something, he loves that kind of thing. So listen. You know what we learned about that situation with our little girls? Watch this. Parents, do you know where your kids learn about authority? From you. Watch. You say, well, I teach them. God says, you know, children, obey your parents. That's right. You teach them how to respond to you. But they ultimately learn response to authority by watching your life. Wes Tucker at tcbchurch.org. Just send it away. Be happy. Watch this. Parents, do you think your children are going to honor the authority that's placed over them as you as parents when you come home and you badmouth your boss every day? Ain't going to happen. Do you think that your children are going to have a high view of authority when you won't even honor the authority of the elders of your church? It doesn't work that way. God has established these roles and places of authority for our good and we respond to these places of authority as unto him as living sacrifices god has entrusted authorities with the power to act and to the power to punish that's why employees listen i get, just get real practical here if you're an employee and you're doing your job as in the lord you don't have anything to fear but if you're an employee and you're doing sloppy work and you show up late and you have a poor attitude and you're stretching that expense report and you're misrepresenting how you spend your time and you fill in the blanks, you got something to fear. And children who live in a home with parents, whether they're godly or ungodly, and again, we'll talk about that in just a minute. But your idea is I've got to resist and push against that authority and I know best self-rule never leads to anywhere good, right? You, you got something to fear. Listen, again, really practical. My, my kids, I think you could go to any of my children and say, what are the three D's that always end up in a whooping, <laughs> right? Pastor Mike, do you whip your kids? In Jesus' name, yes. <laughs> Impatience, never in a moment of anger. And Home Depot has five-gallon paint stirrers for free that make great rods to use for discipline. Love, I'm serious. Disobedience, disrespect, dishonesty, 
Any of those three, our kids will tell you, you cross that line, there's going to be the rod of punishment. And we added another one just recently. It's called delaying. You delay, you get whooping, right? Each of these institutions of authority, God has entrusted the power to make decisions, the power to act, and watch, also the power to punish. All of them. If a church member is living in open disobedience and an open sin, you should fear rebuke of your fellow brothers and sisters in Christ, and you should rightly fear and love the elders of your church coming to you and say, what's going on, man? That's an authority in your life placed there by God for your good and for your flourishing. The government, whether you agree or don't agree on some things, pay your taxes, you don't have to fear Honor the laws, you don't have to fear. God's placed these things of authority in our lives. Tim Keller said it this way, Governments are needed to hold people accountable to live in a way that makes it possible to live together. Without the threat of punishment, human self-interest would make society impossible. So the very system of human government is a wise one, says Tim Keller. Let me read these next few verses and we'll make a couple final applications because I know you have a question and I'm going to answer it. Verse 5. Therefore, one must be in subjection not only to avoid God's wrath but also for the sake of conscience from the heart. For because of this also you pay your taxes for the authorities are ministers of God attending to this very thing. They serve the community by the taxes you give. Pay to all what is owed them, tax to whom tax are owed, revenue to whom revenue is owed, respect to whom respect is owed, honor to whom honor is owed. Jesus' followers, from the heart, live in submission to the authorities in our lives. Time out. Pastor Mike, message is almost done. you got to answer this question for me. I know what you're thinking, and here's the question. Pastor Mike, I get what you're saying about authority. I get what you're saying about government. I get what you're saying about parents. I get what you're saying about bosses. Is there ever a time for Christians to reject authority? Yes. It's the exception. But there are clear biblical examples where men and women of God were commanded to do something or stop doing something that God had commanded and they said, no, I must first submit to God. Let me give you some examples. We resist or reject human authority when we are commanded by that human authority to do something Scripture forbids. Daniel chapter 3. You don't have to look at it. You, you probably know the story. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king says, listen, i got a great idea. I'm going to build this golden statue. You're going to bow down to it and worship this statue. Don't really care what you say. I'm the authority. They're living in the land of Babylon at this time. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the friends of Daniel, said, no. Oh, by the way, you want to not submit to the authority? We're going to throw you in the fiery furnace. It's not going to go well with you, right? It may cost you something. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Daniel chapter 3, said this, verse 17. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. Verse 18. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you set up. Because you are commanding us to do something scripture has forbid us to do. 
At that point, you no longer submit to that authority. Respectfully, but you no longer submit to that authority. We will not. Your boss says, hey, I need you to pad that expense report. I need you to stretch those numbers so our business might look a little better, so my, my job is more secure. You have to say before the Lord, I will not. We live in a culture that you're going to be challenged not just to honor, in a sense, and respect a homosexual, but to celebrate gay marriage as normative. I'm sorry, I will not. You may be a medical professional, and you are instructed by your institution that you must take part in an abortion, and you must say before God, I must not. Because you are commanding me to do something Scripture forbids. There are also scriptural instances where human authority forbids us to do something God has commanded. God says, do this. The human authority says, no, no, you've got to stop it. You've got to cut it out. Daniel chapter 6, again, is your example. The king, different king now. Darius said, hey, i got a good idea. Everybody's going to pray only to me. You're not going to pray to anybody but me. Daniel hears the law, and Daniel decides, I will not obey the human authority. I have a higher authority. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the document was signed, he entered his house, now in his roof chamber, and he had windows toward the Jerusalem, and he continued, I love this, and he continued kneeling on his knees three times a day. Wow. Praying and giving thanks before his God as he had been doing previously. It's one of my favorite VeggieTales episodes, by the way. <laughs> Daniel heard about the new law, but Daniel also knew God's law. And he had a higher authority. It may cost you. The normative posture of our lives is in submission to the human authorities placed there by God. I want to ask the team just to come on up and begin to play. We're going to move into time response. But stay with me. We're not finished. Hold on. But there are times when that human authority may call us to do something that God has forbid. Or forbid us from doing something God has called us to do. And at that point we submit to the higher authority of God. The normative posture for saints of God is response and honor to the authority God has placed over us. Now let me close with this and we're done. Mike, I, I just got to be honest. All this stuff about authority and all this stuff about government and all this stuff about leadership, I just, get, I just get so sick when I turn on the news and it looks like governments are going from bad to worse and it's just getting horrible. And Is it ever going to get any better? It's not going to get better if a particular party takes over the Oval Office. It's not going to get any better if we can write the rules and the laws of the land a little better. Or if we can educate a little better. Or if we can whatever, whatever you want to chase. Here's the day it's going to get better. Because as believers... Every time we watch or we observe a fallen form of government or a corrupt leader or someone, we just cringe and we go, Lord, is it ever going to get any better? I think that is to stir in our hearts the longing for the day when King Jesus comes and sets up the perfect government and authority forever. Because that day's coming, but not yet. 
And that's why we as believers, we look ahead to Revelation 19. I'm just going to read this. It says, After these things I heard something like a, a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and power belong to our God because His judgments are true. Most political leaders today, their judgments may not be true. But there's a leader coming one day, His judgments are true. All of them. And righteous. Revelation 19.6 says, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude, and like the sound of many waters, and like the sounds of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for our Lord, our God Almighty, reigns. And His government is established forever and ever on truth and righteousness and perfection. It will get better one day. But until then, we live in submission to the authorities that God has placed in our life as unto Him, as living sacrifices in view of the mercies of God. Would you bow your head with me for just a minute? We're going to stand and sing in response. And let me say this, if you're here, and maybe this morning you hear all this and you're not really even sure what it means to be a follower of Christ. When we stand and sing in just a minute, and even now, if you need someone to pray with you, or you're wrestling with this idea of, am I a follower of Jesus? What does that mean? Right there where you're seated, you can slip out up through these doors to the left. There's a team of people out at the hub waiting to meet with you, to pray with you, answer questions with you, walk you through the gospel of Jesus that we've talked about this morning. For the rest of us, if you're here and you're a follower of Christ, again, we're going to stand and sing, but here's the question for you. Are you living as a living sacrifice unto the Lord in areas of authority in your life? How are you responding to those authorities God has placed in your life as unto the Lord? Father, we love you. We praise you. Thank you for your truth. Let's continue in repentance, faith this morning, and obedience to your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.